0: on today's episode of Gathering the Kings.
1: How do you become a servant? So if you really, my thing is, if you want to network with somebody and you want to get something, how do you serve them? You know, you can serve them in many ways. Hey, can I help you by doing this? Or, hey, I noticed you're in this field. Uh, Would you mind if I just did something for you and you check it out? Whatever you can do to help serve them, I think that'll get their attention. And I think that'll show at least that push towards saying, I want to learn and I'm willing to work towards the learning.
0: You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. All right, guys, Chaz Wolf, I'm back. I've got Nathan Bowers here on the King stage, bro. Thanks for coming, man. Appreciate you being here.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for inviting me. This is uh, this is good, man. So yeah, checking cool. out your stuff and excited to be here.
0: Good, man. I, I appreciate that. You know, I've had I've had several guests um check things out, you know, before they've come onto the show. And we've had a, just a ton of feedback, ton of good feedback um from guests, of course, listeners, but um for the listeners out there today, I think that they're in for an absolute treat. Um, we got to go, get to know each other a little bit. You're obviously a king in business, but there's so much more to you than just the business. I'm excited for our conversation to go to those other areas of life as well. I think they're gonna get uh um a big part of who you are today so nathan tell us uh what kind of business are you in?
1: yeah so uh the, the the business that we're in mainly is real estate investing uh love real estate so uh you know right now we're doing mainly flips you know just fixing flips rehabs uh, right now we're trying to build a little bit more of a wholesale um and that's within a few different disposition techniques um, not your traditional wholesale where you find an in buyer that kind of thing but more sure. so how much inventory can we hold and dispo ourselves type stuff. So, uh, love it. doing, doing a lot of that, uh, land development. We got into that last year a little bit. So we're just looking to expand on that and, um, uh, just honestly, a lot of stuff, real estate and, uh, and then seeing where that can branch out. You know, there's always ideas coming every single day. So, totally. uh, you know, just, just where we can provide, provide an opportunity, man. That's, that's what matters most. So.
0: Yeah. I love that too. Um, the way that you just described, um, your in and outs of, of real estate is really how I've described myself even like I just love the creativity of real estate because you can go this way and then you can turn a little bit and then you can come way over here and you know you could you could do whatever you want really um and so I'm just I'm anxious to get to know the 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 back end of everything and obviously you're running you're running a big business underneath the tag of (laughs) real estate investing so before we get there though before we get to kind of the business and how you've grown it up at this stage in the game You're making excellent money. You've, you've got systems and process in place. You've got a good team, like for all intents and purposes, the listener says you've made it, but you're still pushing. You're still trying new things like land development. You're still not satisfied. You're still reaching for more. Why?
1: That's a great question. Cause I think we all come to that stumbling block of when is enough enough? Uh, It's a big question, but uh, you know, I think uh, it came to me really, you know, towards last year, but more towards the beginning of this year, and that the biggest thing for me was um, if you have a skill, if you have an opportunity to build something and you're really good at building, then why do you stop building? Uh, And so I think for, for me, I really recognize that, you know, even though, you know, it's easy for us to try to be humble. um, We also have to recognize what is it that we've been, you know, given, what gift have we been given? And so now I'm at a place where it's like, no, we, uh, we, we can do so much more for other people. Uh, We can build other things. We can help train other people. We can help other people's success grow. And uh, so we just got to keep going. And uh, otherwise we'll just be sitting around doing nothing. So I
0: think,
1: think, yeah, we should keep building. So
0: That's cool. I heard you say two things, which I just so relate to. Number one is your gifting. And when you realize your gifting or even your business identity, right? Because we have an identity of who we are. um, And then that translates into business, into our purpose. And so I'm hearing you say that, once you've gotten clear on that of like, really, why am I doing this? There's so much more than just, you know, earning money to buy things. Of course, we need to do that. But it becomes bigger than that. And it becomes down to okay, like, you're really good at, like what you said is building. Um, I just love that perspective. And I just I respect uh, another entrepreneur that can just clearly identify that themselves, and then press into it and be okay with like, maybe sometimes working long hours or trying to get new connections or the things that maybe you don't have to do, but you do them anyway, because it's, it's who you are. It's who you're designed to be. The second thing I heard you say is the helping other people, man. Like, is that something that just came this, this last year of like uh, expanding that out? Cause it's very kingly, right? It's not like, it's not, it's not self-centered at at it, that, at that point you're talking about, it's the kingly perspective to take care of others inside the organization or inside the kingdom. And that's what you've got now. Is that the new part or has that been around for a while? Like, tell us about that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it, uh, I think it originates with just discipleship. You know, I think it's that model of discipleship, you know, at the end of the day, we, and it was back in my retail days, I could share a little bit, but I always found myself blocking to try to help the people that were, uh, credited as, you know, oh, they're not very good at what they do or, oh, they're not supposed to be here or, oh, they're upset. We should just go ahead and terminate them or fire them. And it's like, there's a reason why they're here and so it's just trying to find those people that, and we call ourselves the oddballs, uh, but we're an oddball group. And the reason why is because we want we want everybody to know it doesn't matter. You don't have to have this certain stigma to you or uh, education or experience. All of that's important. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but yeah, just being able to help people that you know genuinely want to you know succeed, and uh, you help guide them along the way, disciple them, and then hopefully they do the same thing for others. So.
0: Yeah. I love, I love the word disciple because it puts a whole nother spin on teaching, coaching, training. Uh, there's a personal, um, element there. It's actually funny it was a couple of years ago, um, before I really started doing any sort of like strategy coaching with entrepreneurs, of course, before this podcast, before any mastermind groups, I, I was, I would say to my wife, I, I want to, I want to disciple business owners. I don't, I don't, Does that do those go together? I don't know what that means. You know, (laughs) right? Um, I I, that's the first time I've heard someone else say it like that. So I just um I'm 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 getting the chills over here, man. Okay, you've told us why you push at this stage, but tell us how you got started into business. Was it real estate? Was the first business? Were you in business before that? And and you stumbled across real estate? Tell us the beginnings.
1: Yeah. Just, just a quick, short intro, you know, started young working and create, you know, had a family while when I was 18, you know, got married when I was 18, had my first. So in that stage, it's like, I got to work to survive and provide. So got caught up into the whole, Hey, let me go ahead and work and, and try to run up the corporate ladder, did all that for a while. But, you know, I always wanted to get out. And so that's, that's kind of our thought is we got to get out. We got to get out. We got to get out. But you know, there were a couple of moments, that, and I go back to this one moment where I really thought, man, I want to run my own business. And it was, um, I had this uh, product, um, and it was these uh, face mask. It was a okay. ski mask for elevation mask, and oh, I love okay. the story oh. because I knew that they sold, and I'm like, these things are a hundred dollars plus a pop, and uh, so I ended up buying some from overseas, and okay. uh, didn't have any clue on how to do this, but uh, I ended up drop shipping them on eBay. Okay. It sold like two thousand dollars in like one day. Wow. And at that moment I got kicked off for doing it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they were coming overseas, but I learned a, I learned a good lesson and that was that if, if you know a product and you have an audience and yeah. you can sell anything, so you just have to really understand that. And so, uh, really that, and then we did some bounce houses uh, as a business on the side and while yeah. I was working and then it just came into real estate and, uh, just that, that jump all in, that was kind of what started it That though. Just seeing, seeing that you can take something and make money with it and, And flipped
0: it so yeah that's really cool um that you've kind of had you had a little bit of a a runway or an on-ramp into you know like you said getting out completely um and I've, i've actually coached a lot of entrepreneurs to do that like they've got an idea they do a bounce house on the side or they're doing something on the side you know um, and, and financially that makes a lot of sense. Is that kind of why you guys did that? You didn't jump right away into like full-time bounce housing because it was just supplemental or were you trying to get to that current point of like certain savings or what was the plan back then?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think first off is the idea, you know, you want to, you want to start something, but you still want that comfort of having your, your job or whatever it may be.
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, I know that.
1: But at the end of the day, you know, you're only limited by how much time you have, and especially with family, you can't go full time into something. So, um, you know, I, I draw business plans on. Hey, this is what it would take for me to leave and stuff, and and that kind of thing. But I I do believe we had. I want to say it was about nine months of savings when I finally left, um, and that was actually crucial. You know, I didn't know it at the time. I thought, oh, I'll be fine. But it actually took me about six to nine months to really build what we ended up having today. And so. Wow. Um you know yeah I, I think uh I think you have to take risk. I tell this to my friends all the time that want to get out of places, and it's like at some point you're gonna have to take a leap because you just can't give that yeah. much time to something else uh, yeah. it's not your baby, you know what i mean so yep. uh, yeah
0: i think I think a lot of entrepreneurs realize that um and even for the guys that are listening right now they 're building a six figure business or they they have a six figure business they haven 't built the seven figure and potentially they're they're distracted even in the same as if having a job like that's really the core principle of what you're saying is that at some point the scale tips right and you've got to press in over here sounds like you guys did it in an ideal scenario where you had some savings you gave yourself some confidence a little bit of a runway to just like press in not be worried stressed i'm sure that there was plenty of worry and stress but we'll get to that um the 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 entrepreneur who's listening right now and they're like ah i'm just like you know, get this whirlwind of stuff. How can you translate like leaving corporate America, jumping all into real estate? Like, what would you tell the person who's already probably made the jump, but they just like the all in factor that we're talking about? How do they go all in like, again, even where they are now to be able to get to the the, the greater level?
1: Well, I think, you know, I think one of the biggest things you got to tell yourself is, hey, if I gave 50 to 60 hours towards a company, Whether, you know, if you include drive time, you include all the breaks and lunches and what it may be, then how do I take 50 and 60 hours and be disciplined and just put that 50, 60 hours into something else? And if you truly put all that time and dedicate all that time and you say, I'm going to be disciplined to go and work for myself for this amount of time then you're going to find a way to just really explode that business. And I think if it's something you're passionate about, most people leave because they want to do something that they enjoy or they're, they're wanting to build something. So you just got to find that one little thing that says, Hey, I just need to twist this and do this. And then let me scale it 50 to 60 hours a week. And then you're just going to end up hitting a a, a zone where you're just going to end up exploding. And, And that happened for us, you know, and I think it happened for anybody uh, just yeah. got to find that right thing to to kind of push.
0: So that's good. I love, I love the, uh, the idea there. Let's dig into some of those things you are saying that, yeah, that you're sure. pressing into along the way, of course, you've made good and bad decisions. So tell us about a good decision that you made along the way, um, that just really helped catapult your growth.
1: Yeah. A good decision. You know, I think, uh, understanding what it's going to take to, to, to do the next step. So for me, one of the best decisions we made was we had a a good chunk of money from a deal that we had, and it was our first flip that we did. And I knew that that amount of money was going to pay for the down payment, the rehab and so forth. So in essence, it was, it was an easy transition because that, that was a bonus. That was a chunk that I was going to use. And I was able to take that and use my knowledge that we had already in real estate. And then we were able to do the process. So I never felt that, uh, that loss, so to speak, it it was already, it was a good decision, because it's what propelled me to do it and do it and do it. So now I knew my basis was this amount of money. Now I just got to take that and double it. And then if I want to do two more, I've got to double it. And if I want to do four more, I've got to double it. And so now you understand your structure behind how you can grow really fast.
0: Yeah. Okay. And so for the person listening right now and they're hearing this decision of basically taking winnings, investing, creating a process where you can basically predictably grow is what in right. essence what you said, right? Exactly. How does someone at like a two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollar business implement what you're saying from a high level? Like they gotta they gotta hone in on their systems, they gotta be able to invest. What are they investing in?
1: You know, I, I use uh, this uh, line from a movie all the time, and it's uh, it's moved from Moneyball. Okay. Um, I'm allowed to speak that up here. But uh, Moneyball, you know, that the process behind that is that you're not buying, uh, you know, the best players. You're buying wins by buying runs. You're buying runs by buying on being on base. So I think for a, uh, yeah, I think for, for that person that wants to scale it, they've got to figure out what their walks are and how to get on base. You don't have to try to buy the home run. Don't buy the triple. Don't buy the double. Just try to get on base. And then how do you get on base a lot of times? So one thing we say is we always buy profit. We don't buy houses. We buy profit. Why? Because I just want to know how to get that walk, how to get that single. And then I know if I get that many and that many and that many, I'm going to end up buying myself a win. And then I want to win this many times in a year. And I think that's the key, working backwards and finding out what your walks and your, your singles are.
0: Dude, I, we could, we could end right now. And, and they would have so much to go work on. Um, you know, I've used different language, but man, it's the same exact thing. It's like, you have to create a repeatable process and semantically it's acquisition or marketing sales, client fulfillment, or your project for you and then finance. And, and if you can just hit the repeat button enough times, the business is going to grow. And, and I think that that's, you're a hundred percent right. Like people are trying to swing out of the park and they're frustrated because they're working 80 hours a week trying to swing out of the park when all we really got to do is get on base. Right. Exactly. It's like winning is the drug, right? <laughs> like exactly. don't, don't worry about the, the the grand slam. It's just like, you just got to get a win. And the win is to get on base uh, is to make the, the small move today. And and how many times can I make that small move today, this week, this month to end uh, toward the actual target, you know? So such great perspective. How did you learn that? Like, where, what part what part of your journey did you get that information?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I always ask myself that sometimes. But I think it's just a, a culmination of just all the different people I've seen. You know, a lot of times you see stuff behind the scenes. And this goes back to that philosophy of everybody's watching, right? You don't know who's watching, but everybody is. And so I think I would just take a lot of nuggets from all these different little places and, and say, okay, well, I've seen they're successful and they're doing it the right way. They don't have to teach me directly, but I can just see what they did and implement that. And so there are many people along the way, you know, just reading books and different things of that nature. But I think also just like like watching that movie, you know, you can do something. But then once you see I love sports, so I think sports is a great reference for a lot of us is how, to, how are the most successful franchises out there winning? Why do the New England Patriots win all the time? Why does Tom Brady win all the time? Why do these guys win all the time? Greg Popovich is a great example, and they always talk about it. Fundamentals. You don't have to be flashy. You just got to figure out how to do it little by little and do it well. The fundamentals. And so I think it applies for any business that you're in. Same thing. So.
0: Yep, that's so good. That's so good. Okay, so let's flip the coin. Let's talk yep. about a bad decision that you've made that was uh, ah. terrible. Keep us keep us out of the red zone. <laughs>
1: Uh, You know, I've said this, uh, there's been a couple of times, but there's one specific time uh, during this whole process, and I think it applies for anybody, is doing business with friends or very, very close people to you and not having the right expectations, not having it in writing. So uh, there's to this day, there's only one property that we've ever lost money on. And um, it was it was a property that we did with the friend. And you would think with two great minds, you would do really well. But in in essence, we didn't set the right expectations, uh, and it, you know it's it's everybody's fault. It's not just one person; it's one sided. But I think it goes to show: don't do stuff with people unless you really uh, set those expectations uh, and put it in writing. You know, it's not hard to put something in writing, but somebody it's like you—you got to have somebody do it for you. So.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, um, just to pull out uh, the the super clear nugget here: it's not don't do business with friends or family. It's If you're going to do business with anybody, clear expectations, especially with people that you know, like, and trust, like friends and family, are unbelievably important. And not just expectations of like, hey, here's what we're talking about, but it's written down. It's in an agreement. We know how it ends. And I've got a good friend who's, you know, purchased and and sold many companies just like like I have. And, And so we've had these conversations of you have to build the end at the beginning, whether that's literally in your operating agreement, especially if you have partners or if just in your projections, you have to think, what does three years look like? Where do I, where am I exiting? Who am I selling this to? Like you have to build the end right away. And that what you're talking about is a hundred percent accurate, especially when you're really, really close with those people because then feelings get in the way, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So. And it's money, you know, money creates wedges, man. Um, you got wrong expectations around money and people just freak out.
1: Yeah, I totally agree
0: I can't blame them, but you know, it 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 can be easily uh adverted, you know, usually. Okay, so good expectations. How would you suggest um outside of just like you know an operating agreement? Is that uh, is there any any techniques that you would uh, recommend there to create good expectations?
1: Um, you know, I think you know, just just really masterminding together. I think understanding what everybody's purpose is. Um, one thing over those times that I've learned those those multiple times is sometimes your gut will tell you immediately. Hey, should I do this with somebody? And you would think immediately, of course I should, because they're they're so close to me. But you know, your gut will say, hey, you shouldn't do this. And you know, you would rather have that conversation of, hey, I can't do business with you, than get into it and do it and then feel odd about it. Um, so I think daily transparency to to add to that is just speaking and being vocal. So like, don't let a week go by. If you being irritated about how this process went right and not speak about it, if you have a problem, you need to be able to address it right then and, you know, handle the conflict right then and not wait it out. And so, you know, just daily, 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 uh, you know, vocalization with that person, I think is key.
0: I think you're 100% right. Uh, And I love what you said there, too, being honest with each other up front. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I've had those scenarios, even with super close friends we go down the road with each other, looking at something, whether buying a business, doing a deal together. And one of us has that little gut feeling of like, eh. And so the, and, and I'm like, look, it's a deal, right? Like friendship is always going to be, or, or family, whatever it is. Like you got to hold on to that piece first. Um, so such great value. Thank you so much for that. Um, good perspective as well. Do you have, we're talking about good and bad decisions. Do you have like a, a process or like a, like a discipline around making good decisions, especially maybe when it comes to your, your team or having other people involved?
1: No, that's good. I think for us, you know, we, we talk about discipline. We talk about, well, two, two disciplines. Um, One is make sure you have a starving audience to what you're going to sell. And what I mean by that is if if we buy something and we know we've got a ton of buyers, especially right now with a lot of unknowns in the industry. uh, But if we know, Hey, there's a lot of people still under $300,000 wanting to buy. Okay, well, we have a starving audience. So that's the first discipline. Know that you can sell whatever it is that you're about to sell. Know that you have a bunch of buyers. A the second thing is we look at a number. Very, very, it's a very easy process. We, if we know we can make a certain number, um, and I'll be transparent, it's 25K is, is our number. So we don't look at percentages. We don't look at necessarily how big the rehab is. We just look at, hey, 25 is, is a, a good number because there's plenty of cushion. But then that's also our target. Um, and I'll say this: over the last two and a half years, roughly, we've had this discipline, and we've almost hit that number every single time. Um, so it just goes to show if you just follow it and you understand what your 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 disciplines are, you won't go and try to once again hit a home run, and then all of a sudden be like, "Well, I knew I shouldn't have bought that because that's not our normal disciplines." Yep. So,
0: yep, exactly. Yeah, um, I, I recently got introduced to the term buy box, and that's in awesome. essence what you're what you're referring to, right? Exactly. You know. Yep. I, I used to call them bumpers or parameters, you know, wh- whatever you want to call them, but you have these things and you do not do things outside of it. It just, right. it is your guiding principle. Um, and so I love that, especially for you, you know exactly what you're trying to buy, who sell it to, how much money you're trying to make on it. Obviously at this point, you've done hundreds of transactions, I'm, I'm assuming, but the uh, the opportunity for you to hit the repeat button becomes really easy when you have those things identified ahead of time. Exactly, yep. And I would say it's probably the same thing. Like I'm thinking of a tradesperson, you know, a guy building decks or a person who's doing marketing for people. Like if you have that buy box, for lack of better terms, that of w- what it is that I do, who it is that I service, and here's the spectrum. And if you just stay right there, you stay in your lane, then, then you can do it really well every single time. And like you said, out of all these transactions, you've lost money only on one. It becomes really predictable. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Which then you can build a team around and you can scale around. Like it's all the variables that you can't, you know? Exactly. Okay. I've got some like speed round questions for you. But before we get there, I want to know just because you've given me so much off air about just kind of like a little bit of your story and stuff. I want to know like life, business, all the other stuff, like not just real estate stuff. Tell me about, disciplines or processes that you have that are outside of business, but that correlate to business inside of in your life, marriage, you know, just other things going on. I just, I'm trying to pull out some of these rich nuggets you got.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, so yeah, I've been married uh, 19 years and uh, three kids got an 18 year old. So, you know, learning, learning that.
0: <laughs> I'm sure that in <laughs> itself is a whole world.
1: <laughs> But I think the biggest things that you can you can do, and, and the biggest thing I think is always take the things that maybe you had mistakes, and then always try to say, okay, maybe I don't have to replicate that. So just like we want to replicate good things and and replicate the walks and all that stuff, I think the biggest thing in, in, is replicating. The, the thing or not replicating those mistakes and trying to build from them. So it's like, okay, this might've happened with, you know, when we first raised our first child, but when we do our second child, okay, well, maybe we know now, okay, don't do that. And then with the third, it's like, oh, okay, this becomes normal. So uh, things like that have been the biggest uh, things from a, a family standpoint. And then I think just valuing time, little, little things like that. And then including them, you know, right now my biggest focus, and it's one of those things where i 'm um, learning is trying to trying to teach you know my youngest about finances, you know talk more about it, uh, set more goals you know because it 's not something you think about because you 're like, why would they want to know that but it's it 's so valuable because they 're going to remember those things, just like we remember stuff when we were younger, and it 's like, oh yeah, I remember those memories uh, yeah, yeah,
0: give us if you don't mind give yeah. us like how are you teaching them about finance? I have three young ones as well, like we talked about, and so i 'm always looking for ways to uh to talk about not just money but the value of commerce and business and value and exchange and all that right but so how are you doing it i'm curious
1: yeah so just a couple little things over the last you know a couple months um you know one thing was uh it was this method i learned from a, a good uh, friend of mine a great financial advisor and yeah you know, he was just talking about give you know give them each five dollars and say hey you can either give this away or you can go and invest it and, you know, do whatever you want with it. And so just giving little challenges like that. And for for my children, you know, they both wanted to just give it away, which is perfectly fine because it teaches us that process of giving, but then also just talking about investing, you know, if, if you have $5 and you can go spend that on a video game or something, right. And then it's like, well, what if you take that $5 and just saying, Hey, we're going to buy this piece of land You know, you can put that $5 and if it increases 20%, I'll give you a 20% return on your five, which makes them a dollar. So it's just little things like that saying, wait, I can do nothing and put this money into this and make a dollar. Okay. Well, why not? That makes sense. So trying to keep it simple and easy. So then that way it doesn't become so complicated when, you know, if they want to build something later on and do it their way and and whatnot. So um, little, little challenges, uh, I think can go a long way. So,
0: yeah, I think. The, the point that hits home for me when in listening to you and obviously i'm already doing these things uh, as well but it's just the intentionality right it's like as a business owner as a successful business owner how do we translate that to the children or the next generation which is well, you can't just assume you can't just just by osmosis just because they're around you assume that they're paying attention and learning all these things no you got to be intentional just like you were about building your business <laughs> You know, like you're build building a human, you're building their intelligence, their, their understanding of money, business, commerce, all that, you know? So, um, I just love that. Okay. You ready for the speed round? Sure. Let's do it. The first question is if you could only pick one metric in the entire business to track forever and ever,
1: what would it be? Uh, profit.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: I always got to go profit, man. If
0: you're not making money, you're
1: not making money. <laughs> yeah. You just keep it simple. Keep it. You know, does it make money. Yeah, what you're buying, what you're selling, it's their profit in between. And that's uh,
0: good.
1: They, you can do everything with that. That's your hub. That's
0: yep. that's right. You got to know. Got to know that number. Okay. Second uh, question is, what book would you recommend to a six figure owner trying to get to that seven figure mark?
1: Oh, what book would I recommend? That's a good one. Um, you know, it's actually I'll probably recommend something that's been recent. It's a good one because I think most people get them wrong. Legacy Journey by uh, Dave Ramsey. A lot of people know Dave Ramsey as a, Hey, get out of debt. Don't spend any money, all this other stuff. But no, the guy's got such financial uh, advice. And once again, it goes back to audiences. So in this book, he talks more about how to elevate yourself to, to those levels. You said exactly just what you said, six figure to seven figure. That's exactly what he's talking about. And he's speaking from a language that I think most people can understand. So
0: that's awesome. Well, great. Uh, I haven't heard of that one. Um, obviously I'm familiar with Dave's. That's, that's a great, uh, great book that I'll have to get for myself. Next question is, do you intentionally mastermind or network with other entrepreneurs and why?
1: Um, yeah, I, th- I think I do. I, I might do it a little different. I'm a little organic probably in this. I'm not, I'm okay. not a big events guy. Um, you don't go to events and that's, that's again, one of those disciplines. It's like, you know, I don't need to fly out and do these things. Um, but I will say this one thing, and this is something just, I think goes back to, you know, my faith is, how do you become a servant? So if you really, my thing is, if you want to network with somebody and you want to get something, how do you serve them? You know, you can serve them in many ways. Hey, can I help you by doing this? Or, hey, I noticed you're in this field. Uh, Would you mind if I just did something for you and you check it out? Whatever you can do to help serve them, I think that'll get their attention. And I think that'll show at least that push towards saying, I want to learn and I'm willing to work towards the learning. Um, But yeah, just how to be a good servant is, is a good way to, to, to be humble in the sense that, hey, I can grasp everything that this person's about to tell me and then yep. just take it in and apply it. Take it in and apply it.
0: That's right. And that kind of, I mean, we could talk a whole, a whole podcast on just that. But what I heard you say that I want to pull out for the listener is the application of what's either learned in a group or in a conference or like you said, even if just meeting an individual, when you learn it, the next step you said was then apply it. And that's the that's a huge gap for a lot of people. They hear it, they go to a conference, like you said, or maybe they are um, uh, in a, n- a local you know networking group or something. They learn something and then they write it down, and, well, like it, it's like they never learned it. You know, like they they don't go apply it. So any any things that you've done there, as far as whether it be disciplines again or just things that, that have helped you take from like hearing it to understanding it to writing it down to actually implementing it.
1: Yeah, well, I'll, I'll share something that I just got the other day, and I, and I read this from a guy. And this goes back to the starving audience, but I think it'll apply to to anybody, is if you have a starving audience, you know, you take, a, and this is just something simple, you take a, you know, a bar crowd, right? You know, two o'clock, I guess, everybody gets out of the bars and they close down. And he says, you know, if you had a table with 100 hot dogs, and they were the worst hot dogs in the world, you're going to sell every single one out, doesn't matter what they were like. Because you have your audience, you have a product, and you're offering it to them. And so I think from an application standpoint, that really got me thinking, not so much, hey, all about real estate, but I also, you know, I'm right now I'm in the process of how can I just take that little model and just go and reapply it? Because, you know, you could do that with anything. And so, you know, for me, I will go back to a. We used to do these things called tax sales, uh, where you would go to the auctions and buy these cheap properties yep. and they were tax foreclosed. And so i learned all about them in about a day and it was like, oh, you can resell these since they've been six months. So we would buy these things for one hundred, two hundred dollars. And then we would just go and sell them the once we got, you know, all the the, the liens cleared up and all that stuff for like three right. grand. Yep. And so it's same, same thing. You take something simple, you have an audience, you buy it and you apply it. Now, right. if I never went to that tax sale, I would have never even knew that that was possible. Right. And then, you know, a lot of people started finding out in the last two years and they've dried up, <laughs> but we'll um, come back, you know, because it's just what, what our market does. So things right. like that, you know, take something small, go, go, go sell a candy bar, you know, go sell some sodas, go get a vending machine and put it in a gas station or something, or, you know, anything small, watch the return, watch the return, watch the return.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's good principle to follow. Okay. Second to last question. Actually it's, it, this is the first podcast where I'm going to ask a new last question. Uh, So I'm going to I'm going to save on that one. Um, But the previous last question was if you lost it all, Nathan, what would you do?
1: Oh, if I lost it all, what would I do? Um, You know, I would probably find same thing, just exactly what I touched on. I would find, a way to take something that was trash of somebody's, you know, cause everybody, a lot of people throw stuff out and, and make some money on that uh, and then just flip small and then flip big, keep flipping until you get to a larger scale. So, you know, whether that be couch that needs to be cleaned up uh, that was thrown out and then resold on Facebook for a few hundred bucks. Hey, you just made a few hundred bucks in a couple hours uh, just constantly doing that because everybody has a different value for something. And you just have to find your you have to find your end buyer. Um, so if I was to start at all, I would do that, and um, I would do that to get to a point where I could buy real estate, yeah. and then and, uh, and then once I get to real estate, just repeat that whole process.
0: So. I love it. So I heard you say you wouldn't give up, you wouldn't fold in, you wouldn't you know roll over, uh, and and you would go back to what you know. Um, but more specifically, you'd go back. You'd eventually find your way back to real estate, and so it obviously is a a key player in what you see your future being.
1: Yeah. I I love real estate. Real estate's great. That'll, it'll be the hub of what we, what we continue to grow in for sure. So.
0: That's awesome. Okay. So the new last question, uh, for gathering the Kings podcast, here it comes. Ready? If you only had one hour a day to work on your business, how would you run
1: your business? You know, I would, I would definitely, uh, take a platform, um, and, I take a platform like boxer is uh, a good one. Uh, cool. I would basically say, who do I need to talk to in that hour? And if I need to talk to 30 people, then that means I got two minutes a person. And so I'm going to send one, I'm going to send one, one minute boxer out. And then I'm going to get one, one minute boxer back. And that's it. <laughs> and uh, find a way to communicate to as many people, the most important priorities of that time and then run from there. So,
0: yeah. Love it. Good, good answer. Um, uh, I'll be curious to see what the other folks behind you answer. Yeah, that's that's well. a good question. You know, it, it actually got brought up just uh, maybe a week or so ago. Uh, it was a question asked of me and several other folks in a room. And when I thought about it, I was like, wow. And I just could like I just immediately fixated on how I would do that. And I already obviously have some really, really um, keen ideas similar to what you said, but um, it just, when you put yourself in the perspective of, literally limiting your time. Like we all have the same amount of time. So we are limited by our time, but uh, as entrepreneurs, especially as someone like myself, who just like, I just don't have a problem working hard. Like I love working hard. Like an 18 hour day is like, whatever, you know, but if I only had the one hour, how would I structure that? You know? And so it's not just necessarily always about the grind or the grind culture. It's more so about systems and high level, and so I find myself in both camps, obviously, constantly because I'm always wanting more. Um, But I think that that mindset of of limiting your time, even on purpose, like when you don't have to, limiting it down to the one hour. I had one guy actually, um, a buddy of mine, that I asked the the question to just because I was curious of some answers right away, and he said I would talk to the one person that runs my business for one hour and make sure that everything was on par for how it's going. And then I would limit it to one hour a week. And then I would limit it to one hour a month. And then I would let it, you know, just like continually just and it wasn't just like the one hour It's like, let me break it down even further. Um, and even that was just like, yes, yes, uh, we got to get to that place. So if the audience connected with you, Nathan, and they want to they want to just get to know you better, they want to maybe do a deal with you, they want to invest somehow, maybe potentially if you if you even offer that, how do they find you and connect with you?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I'm pretty active on Facebook. Facebook's a great thing. You look me up, Nathan Bowers, um, or you look up the uh, Ambition Group um, on Facebook. Uh, you can email me, Nathan, at com. You know, it just however you want to get a hold of me, you know, just reach out. You know, I, I'm all about uh, helping replicate the process. This process is, you know, I've seen people replicate exactly what I've talked to them about before and what we've talked about. It's a simple process. I don't think any industry, it makes a difference you just have to know the industry. Um, okay. but yeah, we can replicate that process and, and I would love to see people scale and grow. That's it's that's what it's all about, you know, and seeing what they can have, be capable of because we all have it in us. We just have to pull it out of us and we got to actually push and push, 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 be a little uncomfortable, but it's okay. good. So.
0: That's cool, man. I appreciate you just uh, making yourself available. And of course, bringing value today. Um, Man, uh, the the listeners got a ton here. So I just so appreciate you. Just your perspective, your experience, all that you've pressed into in the marketplace, your success even. Um, and we just wish you absolutely nothing but success and all that you put your hand to. So thank you for being here. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Chaz. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there,